Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact. Sound healthcare decisions are part of good financial planning. The Classic Business Health and Wellness feature is proud to partner with MedShield Medical Scheme, your trusted partner for life. Now, everybody agrees that South Africa's healthcare system requires reform and that this should provide access to universal health coverage. The NHI bill, though, in its current form, isn't economically viable for South Africa, according to a report that was authored by FTI Consulting and published this week, and it provides a fresh overview view of the economic impacts of the NHI bill. Uh, The big unanswered question is how this centralized fund will be seeded and whether NHI is actually affordable. We see the Department of Health in its uh, white paper back in 2017 flagging uh, things like an increase in personal income tax or VAT or payroll taxes to uh, help fund this and the figure that we've seen put on it is around 200 billion per year Uh, dr paula armstrong is a director at fdi consulting in the economics and financial consulting segment Uh, paula thank you for joining us Uh, we only saw a a very minimal amount of money set aside for the nhi in the budget i think it was 1.4 billion in the budget review document yesterday but treasury seemed to pour cold water on the idea saying that there's Uh, much that the public sector still needs to get right from a quality perspective before it could contract with the NHI fund. Just firstly, on the funding estimates, can you provide some more insight into how that that figure of 200 billion rand that was mentioned in the 2017 white paper was actually arrived at by the Department of Health? Good afternoon, Michael. Good afternoon to your listeners. Um, Michael, the figure of 200 billion rand actually comes from a Department uh, a department of Health presentation from December 2022. And that 200 billion rand is identified by the Department of Health as being available to be transferred from medical scheme premiums via the taxation system into the NHI fund eventually, once the NHI fund is up and running. So it is the most recent estimate of revenue that can be raised via the tax base that can contribute towards the NHI fund. So it's it's conceived as funds that currently go towards medical scheme premiums that can be redirected via taxation. That's where the $200 billion comes from. But if you say redirected via taxation, um, what are we looking at then? An increase in in personal income taxes, a a payroll tax? Would it only be the employed who are targeted? Uh, What is the thinking inside government as to who will pay? So if we look at that 200 billion and then we go back to what's in the 2017 white paper, as you mentioned, we presume it will be a combination of taxes. So the preferred option indicated in 2017 was a payroll tax or personal income tax and um, some increase in the VAT rate. Now, what we've calculated in our research is if that 200 billion rand is raised via an increase in personal income tax or via an increase in VAT, um, then we're looking at increase in personal income tax of up to 30% on average and an increase in the VAT rate of up to 21.5%. Now, we don't think that will happen. We don't think it will be funded from one tax source. But what we're saying is this is the magnitude of what needs to be raised 
to see that revenue moved across. And it will be for income taxpayers, if it's personal income tax, it'll be the population at large if we're looking at something like a VAT increase. Now, what does that mean having, you know, we've just had the budget and I think inside Treasury there's a realisation that uh, tax limits are starting to be reached across the board. It's called the Laffer Curve where, you know, you you can increase taxes, but eventually you increase them so much that people just uh, choose not to pay or immigrate. And and so your your actual return is not commensurate with the amount of tax that you increase. What would happen if we were, let's say, to see a 30% increase in personal income tax on an already stretched tax base? I think you'd see your tax base shrink even further. So we would see, I think, to some extent, more immigration than we're seeing at the at the moment. We also get to a point where people decide not to work anymore because the return to their income becomes so low that it's no longer worth their while. So I think we will see more shrinkage in the tax base. Um, and that's a very real issue for South Africa. We have a revenue problem, a tax revenue problem in this country. Um, so I really think the capacity to increase taxation um, and Treasury seems to be aligned with the view is simply not there. The other element is that if that taxation is increased and people are expected to redirect expenditure, which is currently disposable income, it's currently after-tax expenditure mm. on medical scheme premiums, it's just not clear that they'll be prepared to do that. And I think that's where we're really looking at constraints in raising this revenue for the NHI. That, and that's such an important point that we, you know, where we're currently spending after-tax money, yes, we get a, a stipend of a medical aid tax credit, uh, but I certainly um, would not be willing to um, seed a fund that still has so many question marks around it from a governance perspective that still uh, puts so much control and power in uh, the the office of the minister of health, for example. Are there alternative funding models or revenue sources that could be explored to finance an NHI while minimizing the burden on taxpayers and mitigating some of the risks associated with tax increases? So I think this is a really important element which simply doesn't get enough attention within the, the, the Department of Health circles. There are certainly other avenues to achieve universal health cover. NHI is characterized as a single-payer model to address fragmentation in risk pools and to address inaccessible access, um, in inaccessible um, quality healthcare. There are various options available and they are available immediately. Some of them that come to mind are the low-cost benefit options that medical schemes are fighting for. Um, we could look at something like a risk equalization fund or a risk adjustment mechanism. This has been put forward by the Competition Commission's Health Market Inquiry as far back as 2019. All of these mechanisms are available. They will make access to healthcare considerably less expensive and will alleviate pressure on the public sector. And they are available immediately and do not require any additional tax revenue. So there are alternatives, alternatives that would make a real difference very quickly relative to the 
decades it will take to implement something like an NHI. I think that's uh, that's such an important point that you raise. That, uh, that I mean, in particular, we're waiting to to see whether or not the the health minister um, will give the go ahead for medical schemes to offer um, least cost benefit options that uh, that w- would alleviate a big burden at the base of the pyramid to to you know to help the vast majority of South Africans better afford medical cover. So far, it's been a, a regulatory impasse uh, and some might mm. say it's even been designed in such a way so um, that uh, politicians could stand up and say look this is why the system isn't working but I, I don't want to digress into speculation when we look at lessons or insights from other countries or experiences with implementing universal healthcare systems are there any that we could look to that could inform South Africa's approach to NHI? I think it's really important to understand the context of the countries where similar systems are in place. So there's no country in the world, certainly that I'm aware of, where um, medical schemes are prevented from purchasing the same services as, um, as an NHI, for example. Where similar systems are in place... They are working off considerably larger tax bases. The um, An example that the Department of Health often points to is Denmark. I mean, that's chalk and cheese with South Africa's uh, economic and fiscal situation. Um, another example that's often raised is that of Indonesia. But we know that that the uh, one of the big issues facing the Indonesian health system is cost overruns, significant cost overruns in terms of health care provision. So there is there aren't any examples where this particular kind of system is in place. Um, there are examples from Latin American countries where a risk equalization and risk adjustment mechanism is in place where something akin to an NHI fund provides healthcare cover for the uncovered, um, but operates in parallel with medical schemes where there is some risk pooling between um, the different pay- uh, the, the different sources of payment. So there are examples. Um, there certainly is a place for an NHI fund as a single payer. That's in question. We haven't seen any evidence that this is a prudent way to go, particularly for South Africa in the mm. economic climate in which we find ourselves. Yeah, and, and hard to compare us with some of those uh, other countries that you mentioned from a socioeconomic and governance perspective. Fantastic. There you go. Dr. Paula Armstrong, Director at FTI Consulting on the NHI, which still seems lots of pie very high in the sky here on Classic Business. The Classic Business Health and Wellness feature is brought to you in partnership with MedShield Medical Scheme, your trusted healthcare partner for life. Join Classic Business and MedShield Medical Scheme next week for more insights on health and wellness. Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact.